Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sport is often about set-piece events and milestones. Things like world records, medals, countdowns, the last lap. But now with 100 days to go before Tokyo 2020, I think it's fair to say there's never been quite an event like this year's Olympic Games. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. And I'm Michael. I'm John, and coming up, we'll round up all the latest developments from in and around Japan. We've got a double Olympic champion and one of the first names on the Great British team sheet as well. Hi, my name's Jade Jones. You know, women are really starting to to join and lead the way, and um, it's just amazing to be part of it, and, you know, especially the history as well. I just love making histories. I'm just Leah Month, and I'll be representing Team GB at Tokyo 2021. You know, things like this will come up and I think, 100 days? Like, oh my God, I don't know if I read it. We'll be talking dreams, plus latest swimming, sailing, rowing and hockey news. And as always, you can get in touch with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at anythingbutf. You can also message us via Instagram and Facebook. Check us out online. Our website is anythingbutfooty.com. And if you'd like to email us anything you want to say about the podcast, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. So we have 100 days to go to the Olympic Games, the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. Wow. What will that opening ceremony look like? Will the people of Japan be enthusiastic about the Games? Latest reports suggest no. And all importantly, will those athletes get to the start line safe and healthy And will we see competition like we've come to expect from the greatest show on earth? Lots of negativity, isn't there, Michael, at the moment about the game still? Will they go on? I mean, for what we're being told, the focus is very much that these games will take place. And from Team GB's point of view, it's about 
getting the athletes on the start line doesn't really matter about all the rest of the stuff that's going on but it's about getting on the start line but so much negativity about stuff but actually what you don't realize is sport is continuing in japan there's spectators at sporting events yes there are cases going up in certain places in osaka there's been a spike that forced the olympic flame off public roads and without any spectators this week and there are concerns Obviously, there are concerns. We don't know what is going to happen this year at all with with COVID, whether it's here in the UK or over in Japan. So there are concerns, but there seems little optimism. And that's what I find a little strange. Yeah, and I think we are looking at it, as we often do with these things, through a very British pair of glasses, if you like. So we're seeing headlines here like state of emergency declared in Tokyo. And there's been, as we speak, new countermeasures, stricter countermeasures put in place in various parts of Japan and various parts of Tokyo. But those countermeasures are nothing like as stringent or as strict as we've had in this country. So, for example, that state of emergency that's been declared and those most recent countermeasures, all that means is that restaurants have to close at 8 o'clock in the evening. We've not had restaurants open since the start of the year. These restaurants have been open in Tokyo. And people have said to me time and time again over the past few weeks, oh, state of emergency in Tokyo, that means the games are not going to go ahead. I've countered that each and every time by saying the reason that these measures are being put in place is to ensure that the games do go ahead. They're not being put in place because the games are under threat. They're being put in place because the Japanese government have got, who knows, maybe a $20 billion investment in making sure this event happens. They've got the biggest IOC local sponsorship program ever, nearly $4 billion. So they need to get these games on. These games are important for the Japanese psyche in terms of the natural and the man-made disasters they've had to deal with over the past decade. The fact that their economy has been tanking. This was always about a message to the world that Japan was open for business. And that is more important than ever now because they can't get those overseas spectators in. So what they do need to do is present the greatest show on earth on television so that when COVID is behind us, when things begin to change back to how we knew it before, people will think about Tokyo, think about Japan as somewhere they'd like to go and see, somewhere they would like to go and visit. Exactly the way Barcelona did it in 92, exactly the way Sydney did it in 2000. You mentioned the overseas fans being barred. Now, we went to Rio and there were overseas fans there, mainly friends and family of the athletes. And I think they will be the ones that will probably suffer. And we'll we'll maybe talk about that a bit later on. But overseas fans are barred. The IOC and the Paralympics have announced that they're cutting guest accreditations. There was these ridiculous rules that you could bring so many different people into the Olympics. You can have day passes, despite accreditation being really tight and us having to spend years trying to get our own accreditation. Other people could bring other people in all that's being cut back so to try and find some optimism for you here's some stats that i thought were interesting you mentioned the japanese public don't want the games and in fact if you look at the stats 72 percent say in march they don't want the games but here's the optimism it's gone up who do want it from 11 percent in january to 27 percent in march that's 25 percent of the Japanese public now saying they want the games to take place this summer. I remember working in London in 2012, probably this time 
eight years ago, nine years ago now, of course, uh, because we've delayed the Olympics by a year. And the the negativity in London for the best games ever and frankly the best summer that I have lived through in my life in this country um, and we have I was born in like you in 1976 which is the greatest summer of all time according to everybody but London 2012 matched that but the misery and the negativity and the we're going to fail at this we don't want all these uh, Olympians coming here we don't want cars on our roads we don't want these stadiums we don't want this Olympic stadium uh, to ever be around after the games all that negativity was here before London and then what happened and as the quote from the IOC say every time we are inspired by strength and resilience from the athletes and that's what the Olympics delivers and they think the mood will change over the weeks and particularly when the games take place as that helicopter hovered overhead the Olympic Stadium on the 27th of July 2012, not only did Daniel Craig and the Queen jump out, but the IOC sprinkled their magic dust. And that is what the IOC and the Olympic Games can do to a host city. And we have seen that time and time again. The build-up to Olympic Games are always fraught. They're always controversial. There are always issues. This one greater than any we've ever seen before. But when the show starts, as it did in Rio, when Zika was on the agenda and people were talking about boycotting because of that, when we didn't think the venues were going to be ready, when Athens were still laying the tiles and putting the paint down, as the athletes were marching into the Olympic Stadium and we thought it was going to be horrendous, It happened and it was brilliant and the people bought into it. And that is what hosting the Olympic Games can do. This has been the biggest challenge ever. This is more than whether a few toilets have been plumbed in correctly, whether the right dressing has been put on the slalom canoe centre. This is a much, much bigger thing. But the playbooks, the manuals are in place. The work has gone on for a year to ensure that these games go ahead. There will be issues. There will be coronavirus cases. There will be talk about super spreading events. But I think when it starts, when it happens, whatever that opening ceremony looks like, I think it will be well supported. And I think people will be very proud in Tokyo at the end of the summer of 2021 to have delivered an Olympic Games and a Paralympic Games against the backdrop of coronavirus and the biggest challenges ever. One final thing I just want to say about crowds. A lot of people saying to me it's not going to be the same if crowds aren't in. We went to athletics in Rio. There were no crowds at loads of those sessions. Again, we look at that through London 2012 eyes, where every ticket was sold. The only empty seats were when delegations didn't turn up. People in Rio went to the volleyball. They went to the football. because Those are the sports that they like and they play. They didn't go to the athletics. You could walk into loads and loads of events and see lots of empty seats. So if there are going to be some empty seats because of social distancing, that's not going to be unusual. Here's some more optimism as well. Japan are going to have a brilliant sporting year. They've already got Naomi Osaka, the greatest tennis player in the world at the moment in, in, in the women's game. They have also, of course, got the new Masters golf champion as well. So they are going to do incredibly well like Great Britain did at London 2012 and obviously continued that in Rio, that will get that optimism going. We're going to hear from Jess Learmonth and Jay Jones in a couple of moments' time, but I want to ask you one more question, Michael, on the opening ceremony. How on earth do you stage a socially distant, COVID-safe 
opening ceremony with 200 nations apart from North Korea turning up? Well, I think you have to do it differently. I still think there'll be the cultural program um, because I think the various dance troops and all the rest that you get in the cultural presentation can bubble ahead of it and can quarantine afterwards. I still think you're going to get the protocol, although it wouldn't surprise me if some of that is maybe done virtually in terms of speeches by IOC members, the oaths and everything else that's taken. You're still going to hear things like the Olympic anthem. The big question mark has to be over two things. The crowd, we are used to 100,000-odd people watching an Olympic Games opening ceremony. I'm not sure that will happen, but you know what a, a stark message to the world that would give if there's maybe 20,000 in, all socially distant. That maybe will be more symbolic to what we've gone through over the past... 18 months as it will probably be by the time we get going and the athletes parade um now the athletes themselves are not wild about doing the parade as far as the ceremony is concerned it's often a long and quite tedious part of the the broadcast presentation so maybe just go to flag bearers each or invite local children to bring flags in or again look at a virtual solution whereby you bounce around via zoom or teams or whatever various national houses hotels village setups and see the flag bearers there rather than have 5,000 athletes parading around the stadium I think they should bring the mascots back. Everyone who's ever had an Olympic mascot should come and carry the flag. We need Wenlock back for Team GB, carrying that flag into the stadium. And Vinicius, the Brazilian uh, mascot. What about that as an idea? Oh, you know I'm not a big fan of mascots. Um, <laughs> Olympic mascots, yeah, I can just about um, oh, deal okay. with. You can't beat them. Um, as long as you don't bring Bolino the Bear or Hero from the World Athletics Championships back up, you'll do for me. They were absolute legends, both of those. Uh, This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. Let's hear from a couple of athletes then. Firstly, uh, Jess Learmonth, the first, one of the first names on the Team GB roster. The triathlete star from Leeds is among the canoeists, sport climbers, shooters, marathon and race walkers, sailors and some swimmers who've already been selected. She's been at home with partner John for much of the past year which has been very, very different. But we caught up with her this week and she's looking forward to now competing in Tokyo. I mean, I keep just ploughing on with my days and my weeks and then, you know, things like this will come up and I think, 100 days? Like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, So it just creeps up on you. But yeah, it's exciting as well. So what have you been doing in the last few months? Um, Yeah, usual, just training, really. I mean... It's been a bit weird because we've done a lot of training on our own. So um, other than swimming, you can obviously, we've, we've done it with other people, but like just one lane and stuff like that. So it's a bit weird that recently, you know, we're allowed to just train with anyone we want and in groups on the bike and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of nice that things are just kind of slowly getting back to normal, but um, yeah, in terms of training, I've just been ploughing on like I normally would, um, just apart from in Yorkshire where it's snowing one minute and sunny the next, rather than in Australia. So that's probably the only difference that uh, from this time last year, really. So I was going to say, you know, Yorkshire is so renowned for its hills and its, and its inclement weather, and it's a great location for, for triathlon, which is why you guys are based there. But you wouldn't normally be here this time of year. No, it's funny because I said to John, 
I don't think I've spent a, a full winter because normally we'd go away in like January. So although, you know, it's like the new year, you, you're actually missing quite a lot of the cold weather. Um, so I'm a bit of a fraud, really, because normally I'd like stay till Christmas and then I'd bugger off to warmer climates. So this is like the first year that I've spent the full winter at home and um it seems to be dragging on <laughs> it's just a bit much when you're you know getting caught in snowstorms in april it's just a bit get you know like you just want a bit of a relief from it but the lighter nights are pretty nice i've got to say because before that with travel and obviously we train quite a lot and you've got to cram everything in well i like to cram it in before like running outside in the dark so it's so nice to have longer days yeah, so you can get a bit more resting and stuff. So that's quite nice. Yeah, certainly made a difference in the last few weeks, hasn't it? I mean, we talked last time about lockdown and, and John built you a, a gym in your, your house and your, your back garden. I mean, it, it's nice, as you said, to get back out and, and train with your teammates and, and, and kind of start building that team ahead of going out to the Tokyo where you will, of course, be a team again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it, I mean, it's been so long. It seems even weird being out on the bike and then you'll see groups of cyclists. You think, whoa, that's weird. You know, like that's just not normal because for the last year we've just been such loners. So it is nice, you know, like training with others and stuff. And to be honest, I've not gone gung-ho. Like, actually, I mean, you'd think that I'd be wanting to ride with everybody, but I think cause I'm so into just riding on my own. I'm just doing it slowly, you know. Um, so I'm actually still riding quite a bit with just John, but um, I'm sure I will get into the the groove. But it's things like we do bike skills and stuff like that. So it's just easier now. We can all just organise normal training rather than being a bit more restricted. Um, so it is good, yeah. And I've used the gym a lot. So that's it's been very handy that John was active in lockdown and created that for me. So I'm very lucky. How many triathlons will you do before Tokyo? Um, a handful, not that many, probably. The, pro- the problem we've got is the risk of traveling. Um, like Leeds is a definite because it's in Leeds, but there's quite a few other races and you've kind of got to weigh up the risks because if somebody on your flight, if two people on the flight test positive, you're, you're isolating for two weeks. So you kind of have to weigh up whether it's worth go into a race to then risk having to have two weeks off so it's really difficult so I'll probably do quite a few but they'll be very selective I won't be you know just nipping here there and everywhere because obviously the risk it's just a different year and it? it's not it's not the same as it would be normally um but I don't think I don't mind that I mean um, I'll be ready whatever the weather yeah, I think the priority is getting you guys to the start line in Tokyo. That has to be what this is all about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you've just got to minimise the risk. Um, because, I mean, my partner John's had COVID, so we presume that I've probably had it as well. But you never know. And if you if you travel in different places, the, you know, you're more likely to potentially get ill or, like we say, quarantine. And it all adds up in, in terms of time off or training wise you know it could affect you so you just gotta be sensible and and like you say get to the start line fit as you can and and go from there final question random question i often um sleep at when i'm sleeping at night dream about my work and and podcast is not exactly the normal thing that people dream about do you dream about the olympic games and tokyo 
Um, not really. No, I will. <laughs> oh, that sounds really bad. But I will when I'm getting. So when I'm getting nearer the race, I probably will. I have dreams that you know I'll get to transition and I've forgotten to put my bike in it or I've forgotten my shoes. You know, it's never. It's never a dream when you like win gold it's always like <laughs> you've forgotten something or something goes wrong but that's usually probably like the week or so before um which I don't know if I prefer I think I might I prefer to have the, these types of dreams now but uh yeah I don't not so much no I have to say yeah back in the day when I used to read news bulletins I used to dream that I'd get to the studio and not have my script in front of me yeah and make it up which is not yeah. a good thing. <laughs> it never ends well, does it? You're like, oh, God. No, not good. Yeah, I have similar dreams. Well, Jess, we wish you all the best. And I know the dream will be um, winning those medals in Tokyo. So thank you once again for talking to Anything But Footy. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Well, that was a slightly bizarre end to that, John. You and Jess Learmont discussing your anxiety dreams together. But <laughs> you made the point, actually, that it's interesting that athletes are not dreaming about stepping on a podium and having a, a gold medal put around their neck but you said it to me earlier you said actually they're dreaming about what might go wrong and I think that's it's quite an interesting insight into the psyche of an elite athlete it's it, yeah because you you kind of think that they have all this positivity and they get taught to be focusing and dreaming and visualizing the race I always remember Linford Christie talking about how he would visualize the 100 meters in within nine seconds that it took him to run it and he would see himself crossing the right the line but they've still got effectively nightmares because you know not having your shoes not having the right um, transition bike is a nightmare for a triathlete yeah and it's interesting it's the anxiety dreams for me it's it's about when I was doing a football commentary that I wasn't where I needed to be or whether I had a school exam that I hadn't prepared for. But yeah, for Jess Learmonth, it's whether she's got her shoes or bike. Um, I think we know that Team GB will be one of the best prepared, if not the best prepared team. Um, I would be very surprised if on the day of the Olympic triathlon final, Jess doesn't have everything she needs. Now, do you go and compete beforehand? You've talked about preparation there. This is a big question mark, and Jess mentioned that as well. Uh, going to do triathlons before Tokyo because of the travelling, etc. We'll talk to Jay Jones about that in a moment. But we caught up with some canoeists last week, and we actually saw each other in person last week, socially distant, obviously. Um, but those canoeists were saying they've got big decisions about their European championships. Yeah, it's an interesting one, because I think if you've qualified and the mantra is get yourself to the start line, then why would you necessarily risk going and taking part in a Grand Prix event, a World Series event, a European Championship event, if you don't have to? Because what you're essentially doing there is is taking yourself out of all those secure bubble-type things that you have at home and the routine that you've got, which has kept you hopefully safe and well over the past year, and you're taking yourself off to wherever these championships or this event is being held. We saw it with the European Indoor Athletics that athletes came back, some tested positive, or members of the support staff tested positive. The impact then is you've got to quarantine. So by going away and competing, do you then end up missing a two-week training block? It's it's a big decision. Um, 
you know some athletes may need to go because they may need to go and earn some money uh, that might have to be a consideration but i think you know if you're on that elite sport centralized program you're funded you'll just be looking at everything and thinking where can i minimize my risk where possible like everyone is at the moment in the world and you said it spot on. The canoeists are already selected. They know they're going to Tokyo, while Taekwondo are still having to get selected. And they went this weekend to Bulgaria uh, and competed at the European Championships. And what a great performance it was for Great Britain once again. Bianca Walden, the world champion, now European triple um, champion, uh, with victory in her with a gold medal. 20-year-old Rebecca McGowan also getting a gold medal. Bradley Sindon and Lauren Williams winning silver as well. Break Great Britain finished at the weekend second in the medal table with the most successful women's team as well. And part of that was double Olympic champion Jay Jones, who won her European title again for a third time in these championships. 100 days to go. Is this when it goes and gets very real, Jade? Yeah, this is the point, you know, where it starts to get exciting and you can feel the build up. And like you said, 100 days to go. Um, you know, it's all systems go now and just looking forward to, to getting there now. And for you, of course, you're bang in form. You've just made a bit more history at the European Championships. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I just got back from the European Championships in Bulgaria and, you know, got a gold medal and really happy with my performance. It was kind of a competition to see where I'm at ahead of the Games with it only being a few months to go and, you know, we, we've not had that much chance to fight the world's best this time. So, you know, it was amazing to, to get that chance and to, to perform really well to show that, you know, I, I am in a good place ahead of the Games. Slightly different build-up this year to this Olympics, Jade. What's it like travelling to Bulgaria, competing in these kind of COVID-safe environments? Yeah, you know, it is still really strange and really different. Um you know, obviously traveling with the masks and everything that comes with that. But as soon as we get to the hotel in Bulgaria, we're in kind of like a taekwondo bubble. We have to get a COVID test before we enter it. And then literally then we're stuck in the hotel um, and you're not allowed to leave your room unless it's for food or for training or to compete. Um, and obviously we're a team event, like, a, you know, a team and you don't get to like cheer on your team. You have to like literally watch them from your bedroom on the TV so uh, that's a bit mad. And to be fair, I didn't realise how hard it would be, you know, not having air and not going out. So, um, you know, to be trapped in the hotel, it can kind of get very draining and you become a bit lethargic. And like you said, you just don't get no fresh air. I, most of the time, like hanging my head out the window just to get a bit of fresh air. <laughs> you, you mentioned the team. It was a successful team for British Taekwondo as well. I think you were part the women's team was the highest number of medals that, that were won. The British team won that. And for Team GB, for the Tokyo Olympics, they reckon more women will qualify than men for the first time ever. Wow, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's just amazing to be part, you know, like a woman in sport and it is getting like bigger and better really. And, um, you know, women are really starting to, to join and lead the way. And um, it's just amazing to be part of it. And, you know, especially the history as well. I just love making history. So it's nice to be part of more history. 
the wonderful Jay Jones, double Olympic champion, now aiming for three gold medals. No one's ever done that in the sport of taekwondo before. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Do let us know what you think on this anniversary 100 days to go before the Olympic Games start of Tokyo 2020 and 2021. You can find us on Twitter at anythingbutf. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Drop us a message there. Online at anythingbutfooty.com and email us anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. We don't know the makeup of the British rowing team yet. Traditionally, of course, a very strong sport, very strong showing over subsequent editions of the Olympic Games, but they have yet to be selected. But the British rowers were in action over the weekend at the European Rowing Championships in Italy, and they did well. Top of the medals table, of course, 12 medals. Obviously, you need to bring in some of the other nations from Outside of Europe, when we come to the Olympics, you think particularly of the Australians, uh, Americans as well. But the signs are pretty bright, I think, for British rowing. Brighter, perhaps, than maybe we thought. Some of the highlights for me, uh, Helen Glover back after five years, five years since her last competitive final. Gold for her with Polly Swan, who, of course, is a doctor who's been working for the NHS throughout the pandemic as well. So brilliant for Helen Glover and Polly Swan in the women's pair. Men's four, that's a a boat that we've owned over subsequent editions of the Games. Men's eight as well, the Blue Ribboned uh, event, you would say, at the European Rowing Championships. Also the Paras as well, the Paramixed pair of Lauren Rouse and Lawrence Whiteley. Para champions in Rio in 2016 and the Paracox Mix 4 as well. They are the first British Paralympic crews to win gold at a European Championships. And Lauren Rouse said afterwards that basically it was incredible. She was struggling, I think, to kind of bring it to words because it was such a history-making moment. As she said, we are now the Paralympic world and European champions. Talking of history and tradition, one of the sports we don't often talk about on anything but footy is footy, uh, but it is one of the biggest Olympic sports. Uh, both Michael and I were in the American R in Rio watching Brazil and Neymar score a goal. That is one of my claim to fames in life, generally. Uh, but it was huge out there, and it is huge around the world, but again, with our British spectacles on, as Michael was talking earlier, we don't think about football as being part of the Olympics, but Team GB are sending a women's team for the first time to an away games. They, of course, competed in 2012 the last time. The England Lionesses will make up the majority of it, but frankly, they're in a bit of state of flux at the moment, just four wins out of their last 14. They have a new manager, uh, a temporary manager at that, Hager Risa, uh, who will take charge of Team GB at the Tokyo Olympics. The 51-year-old was part of the Norway team that won the Sydney Olympics in 2000. But England have recently lost in the last week to France and Canada, including two awful mistakes for the Canadian goals in the last match. They're without key players like Captain Steph uh, Houghton as well. But during the live coverage last night on the BBC, summariser and former England player Karen Khan um, who I'm not going to criticise too much because frankly she's had enough of that in her life but she did say it doesn't matter in friendlies that actually losing friendlies doesn't matter now ultimately Michael and I think this is in all sport you can't keep losing you can say you're learning from it but ultimately you can't keep losing so to say it doesn't actually matter I, I feel is is not really the message that you want to be saying. It will be interesting to see what Scots, Welsh and maybe even Northern Ireland players now come into Team GB. Of course, Ireland qualifying for Euro 2022, which will be here in England next summer for the first time. Um, 
who will be picked for the Olympics, we will be finding out in the weeks and months to come. And we'll find out the Tokyo draw for Team GB on April the 21st. Yeah, I understand what Karen Carney is saying because, you know, in terms of qualification for big tournaments, in terms of being at big tournaments, yeah, friendlies don't matter. They are a time to experiment, learn, but you do need to build a winning habit in all sports as well. And just going back to to watching football um, at the Olympics in Rio in 2016 and people in this country saying it's not a big sport, it shouldn't be in the Olympics, it's not the pinnacle. With apologies to Tom Bosworth, I was sat in a cafeteria in Rio when they switched one of the Brazil women's internationals off and put race walking on. And I thought chairs and tables were going to go through the windows. There, there was a, a near riot um, and the football got swiftly put back on. So don't tell me football is not an important Olympic sport. Uh, the first week, of course, from a British point of view, our main focus is on the aquatic centre and the swimming pool. And the British Para Swimming International meet has taken place at Sheffield's Ponds Forge. Obviously, in the Paralympics as well, swimming has been a really successful sport for uh, Para GB. Three-time Paralympian Ellie Simmons led home an impressive S6-1-2-3 for the Brits in the mixed classification 400 metres freestyle final. It was a very assured swim by Ellie Simmons to win the World Series gold with a points tally of 887. Maisie Summers, Newton and Grace Harvey, by the way, second and third respectively. There was a world record. Stephen Clegg set that in the new S12, a world record there in the men's 100 metres butterfly. Rhys Dunn was among those to set a new British best. He put himself in contention for selection for Tokyo later on in the year in the men's S14 uh, MC 100 metres backstroke final and in the women's MC 100 metres breaststroke SB 14 category Louise Fiddis who's a reigning world champion took victory terrific time as well which saw her under the classification for Tokyo and looks like she'll be selected yeah and this week it's the British Olympic trials at the London Aquatic Centre world championship and Rio Olympic medalist Duncan Scott He's one of four swimmers who's already been selected. But as he told us uh, earlier, of course, um, when we caught up with him earlier this year, Michael, that he doesn't know which events he's going to be entered in. So he's got to go to these championships and perform to then know which ones he will be selected for in Tokyo. Yep, it will be, I think, a good meet as far as British swimmers are concerned. And I think um, something that, that Hannah Cockroft actually said to us when we were having a chat with her over the past week or so it will be about the athletes that have handled the pandemic the best Um, and I think we might get some different results in Tokyo and that's why I'm quite confident that Team GB despite some predictions which have come out today uh, by Grace Note who do the uh, predicted medal tables who are I think predicting Great Britain will will drop down to about eighth in the medal table and you know be 20 or 30 medals less than they were in Rio I think um, and that is obviously they do their predictions based on results in world and European championships and things. I think that we might see some surprise medals, some different medals where, as Hannah told us, who's dealt with the pandemic best, who's been able to train. And the fact that in this country we got those exemptions for elite athletes very early on as well, which meant it wasn't as interrupted. Of course, they've missed competition, 
but the training has gone ahead and I think that's why we might see Team GB higher up than some of the predictions. Uh, let's just move on quickly to sailing. Uh, Giles Scott, the reigning Olympic champion, of course, is back in the Finn class now after six months of being out uh, with Sir Ben Ainsley uh, trying to win the America's Cup. But ultimately, of course, they fell short. Uh, but it is the European Championships in Villamora, which is in Portugal this week as well. And due to the ongoing government restrictions here, the following hockey matches have all now been postponed in May. That's GB Women, the Olympic champions, of course, against China, uh, against Argentina and the British men against Argentina as well. However, there has been a revised schedule for the uh, Hockey Pro League, which is all part of these matches and these warm-ups for the Olympics. So there will be some in May at the Lee Valley Hockey and Tennis Centre. Uh, Great British men against India on the 8th and 9th of May. Uh, British men versus Germany on the 12th and 13th of May and the women against Germany as well on the same dates and then women against the USA and the men against Spain at the end of May as well. All matches will be played behind closed doors but they will be live on BT Sport which will be good to see as we head then to Tokyo which what by the end of May what will be a month away? 100 days to go. I better get that capsule hotel booked. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic Sport Podcast, find us on Twitter at AnythingButF. Message us on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a follow as well. We keep you up to date uh, with lots of Olympic and Paralympic news on our social media feeds. Find us online, anythingbutfooty.com. You can send us a message through through there or drop us an email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. 100 days to go. Exciting. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.